Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined as usual by David Hartrick. David, how are things? Not too bad at all, Stephen. How are things with you? (laughs) Good. Not so great for Huddersfield Town at the weekend, though. Lost 2-0 at home to Nottingham Forest. We said it was going to be a tougher game on the pitch than it it looked like on paper, especially after Chris Hewton was sacked, and that's exactly how it turned out, unfortunately. Yeah, I I think Chris Hewton never had the measure of that squad. Um, I don't think they were playing for him. There was always going to be a bounce the minute he went. It's just a shame that Middlesbrough (laughs) beat them in the week and they couldn't just go one more game, really. Um, And I think we should probably start with Forrest, really, in that I I don't think they were brilliant. They were just sort of full of energy and they really did their homework. I thought they did a bit of a number on town, if I'm honest. Yeah, they had simple jobs to do and I thought they did them pretty well, to be fair. Their, their game plan was really well executed. They they came out the blocks really, really quickly. You know, they had Joe Lolly was in the side as a bit of a surprise inclusion. Hewton never seemed to particularly fancy him and you could see that he was, you know, he, he was one of, he was maybe Forrest's best player a couple of years ago and you could see that, you know, he had the bit between his teeth and was keen to make a good impression and Town just couldn't settle into any kind of rhythm first five minutes or so because Forrest just I, I don't think they expected Forrest to come at them playing sort of attacking football and playing on the front foot they they town just seemed a bit shell-shocked by that but you have to say you know they used the width really well they used the flanks really well better than town did uh Jed Spence was was excellent you know you had Johnson was was really good Joe Lolly had a good game it was all about those flanks really and that was where the, the first goal came from uh, Brennan Johnson going up the right-hand side. It, it started on the left, switched with Lolly, and just breezed past Colwell. Colwell looked... looked. At, I mean, I turned <laughs> turned around in the press box after 10 minutes and said, Colwell's really not enjoying playing against Joe, Joe Lolly. You could see he was getting frustrated. First time we've really seen that from Colwell. He should have dealt with Johnson better, though, shouldn't he, on the way to that first goal? Yeah, I mean, no, I've, we've not... Neither of us have seen a player leave Colwell behind like that because um, Colwell's recovery pace is excellent and... And Johnson is is a very good young prospect. I don't actually think he's as good a prospect as Alex Martin, which probably shows you the depth of Forest squad and how false their position was, really. But I think that Forrest... It was frustrating because I think we both sat there at half-time saying, well, we know what the problem here is. It's really obvious that Forrest just keep going into that space behind the wing-backs. And Sorber Thomas had to be fair, he had reacted and was sitting a lot deeper and he just couldn't get into the into the game because he was really having to concentrate on a, doing a defensive job. But Toff was still quite high and Forrest had just been brave enough to put a man in behind there basically time and time again and they the I will say though, the like that cross was just as a striker, I mean that's just a heavenly, heavenly cross. And Lewis Graben is a striker who is he just he gets goals pretty much wherever he's been and if you lay it on a plate for him like that, then uh, he's 
really town have sort of only got themselves to blame to be honest because it's it's there's a couple of issues in the move that you know that they lose the ball Colwell doesn't get tight to his man and then gets left behind and then Graben is in I mean he's got he's got what four feet of space around him to, mm. to get the header off anyway so it wasn't a great goal to concede but on the balance of play I mean nobody could argue that Forrest didn't deserve to be ahead at that point no absolutely not they were they were really good from minute one and town were really bad from minute one um I, I think that was a bit of a learning curve for Colwell I think a more experienced player probably dumps Brennan to the floor pushes him into touch you know as soon yeah. as he as soon as he gets on the ball out there when you know that you're going to get exposed otherwise without Toffolo back because it was such a quick counter-attack that that's why Colwell is here to be fair is to learn those kinds of lessons he's 18 and I think that's that's the first game where we've really looked at him and gone, oh, he's struggling a bit here. You know, otherwise we've really had no major issues with Levi Colwell. So you can sort of give him a bit of a a bit of a pass on that one. I think um, it's just one of those things. But there was a bit of a the suggestions there were a bit of a mix up in the marking between whether it whether Grabham was Lee's man or or Pearson's man. I think he should have been Lee's man really. Um, but as you say, that cross was was superb and. Yeah, it was a preventable goal, I think, uh, definitely. Um, but as you say, you couldn't say Forrest didn't deserve it because Town, as I say, they just they just never settled. I think I wrote in the live blog two or three times, and that goal only came in the 22nd minute. I wrote two or three times that Town just needed to calm down. They needed to settle. They needed five minutes on the ball just to take the sting out of the game, try and play it on their own terms a bit rather than letting Forrest dictate it. I almost thought, as much as we said, Town needed to, you know, we talked about the fact they've had slow starts. I think Town probably could have done with being a little bit less adventurous after that first sort of opening five or ten minutes and just saying, right, let's just have five or ten, five or ten minutes where we're just controlling things and, you know, setting the pace and, you know, bring the game down a bit, get our heads about us, and then we can go on the attack. I think they, they didn't manage the game well at any point, Town, really. No, they didn't at all. Um, and I think I think we'll, we'll go into it in a bit more depth. But the, the first half, they... I mean, they were so frustrating. They just kept giving the ball away, just time and time and time again. And it was the passing was sloppy. The options weren't on as they have been um, at other times. And it it just all felt like it felt like new players fell into old bad habits. Um, mm. And it, it's I think a better side. I think they were. I've seen a lot of people make quite a lot of the Forest performance and say, oh, you know, they were really good and all this sort of thing. I th- I think my worry would have been that a better side than Forest, to be frank, could have been two or three up at half-time. And yeah. I I don't think anybody could have could have argued with that. And it wasn't that Forest was sort of carving out chance after chance after chance. It's just they were so comfortable but they were they were doing the same things over and over again and getting an amount of joy from doing the same things over and over again and that's when you get frustrated with town because make the adjustments you need i know it's first half but make the adjustments you need to do something about it before it gets you know to, before the game is out of control yeah that they really only had the two moments forest and as well organized as they were i think to be fair set because they got that goal so early on in the second half they were able to just sit back and play without much you know needing to to take any risks or show any adventure really you know you can't fault them for that when they're winless all season two nil up away from home they they did what they had to do after getting 
that real gift of a second goal, to be honest. But I thought that if Town had had a bit more about them in terms of getting the play going, in terms of doing a better job of finding space for themselves, particularly in the first half when it was still only 1-0 or even at 0-0, I thought, as I say, Forrest did their game plan well, but Town also did theirs really badly. Everything yeah. was very sloppy. There was no tempo. There was no rhythm at any point. And um, I, I felt like... As much as Forrest deserved to win, I thought they were still beatable on the day if Town had had their yeah, wits about I them. So, I, I, I completely agree. I, th- I think the <laughs> they're not title contenders, Forrest, by any stretch. They've got a massive squad that's all over the place. They've used 35 players already this season. Their uh, The gap between their best player and their worst player is absolutely massive. They have far too many options in certain areas and not enough in others. They're not, you know, they're not well beaters, but I just, I think it's worth saying, Steve, the town shape was just wrong and it was wrong from the start. Forrest set up in a, like a, a, it was a it was a three four three that was more of a sort of three four one two, and then that evolved when they realised they were getting so much joy either side into more of a like a true three four three, and Town just never reacted. And sometimes the problem is when you play a three four three yourself, you do leave gaps either side. You mm-hmm. you leave space behind the fullbacks, or you push the wing backs right back so that they can't really be effective going forward. And I mean, we we both said it. It was crying out to move to a four, and I would have done it mm. first half long before because twenty 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 five minutes in, it was clear that that shape wasn't working. Stuck Pearson out maybe at right back. He has played there. Yeah, he's played. A long time he's played ago, there but... plenty before. He's played there plenty before. You know, I, I, and to just get you to half time for fifteen twenty minutes. If you then want to, I don't know, if you then want to bring Turton on as they did, I think fine. But I just think short term, they just didn't react on the bench at all to to the issues on the pitch. And that, that, is, a, that is a last season thing for me. <laughs> That's one of the things me and you decried in loads of games on this podcast last season, that you could see where the issues was, but there was no reaction or the reaction wasn't quick enough and it was just it was a shame because it just like I think we even said it at half time to each other Steve we'd we'd seen that game before hadn't we (laughs) yeah I mean they had 75% possession or close to it in the in the second half um and and didn't do anything with it obviously the the goal killed them off but I think yeah I think first half that I agree with you that the the reaction, well, I think the reaction from the bench wasn't strong enough. It should have been done sooner. Carlos Gobrando seemed quite low to make changes in the first halves of games. Um, yeah. We've said that before. I mean, there were games last season where I even went so far as to say he, he should have made substitutions in the first half and that there's no shame in that sometimes. I don't think it needed that this time, but... Um, I, th- I think they needed something. But, I mean, Carlos did say after the Blackpool game, you know, you don't want to change things too early because sometimes if you try and fix it, it just makes it worse. But I think when it's already going as badly as it was yeah. against Forest, you, you've really got very little to lose because it was so obvious they were going to score. And particularly after they did score, you know, what's the harm at that point? Um, but I also think that the players need to take a lot more responsibility for, for changing their approach and identifying areas of weakness because... How many times did Harry Toffolo have so much space on that left-hand side, but they would be too slow working it out to him or too inaccurate working it out to him? And then when they did get it out to him, no one would go and help him. You know, Jed Spence had an excellent game. I think Toffolo put three or four crosses 
that that just got deflected out for corners because you know that he couldn't couldn't beat his man on his own. They, it was crying out for either O'Brien or Karoma or possibly both, as we saw lots of times last season, to go out and help him just just to get him around his man. You know, go and offer that that one two, and then you can yeah. head into the box and go for the cutback. But I noted it in the conclusions every time Toffolo had the ball out wide, you'd see O'Brien would be heading to the edge of the box and Karoma would be going inside. And I th- there's just lots of little, little. I thought it was a game of lots of fine details not going right. But I think that is, I mean, even against Blackpool, we saw it in the first half that they had opportunities against Blackpool. And if, they'd, if the players had been a bit savvier about identifying where the space was, rather than sticking to their routines and what they had in their minds, as you know, what they usually do, uh, they could have exploited Blackpool sooner. It worked out all right in the end because they got to half-time. Corbran gave them a few tweaks and told them, you know, told Karoma to drop a bit deeper, etc., which is where the first goal came from. And then you're off to the races. But I think the players... We've not really seen them adapt to uh, unexpected details in games. You know, they didn't react well to Lolly. They didn't react well to to Forrest having that fast start. And when things, when they did start to, you know, get on the ball a bit more and find a little bit more rhythm in the, you know, after the after Forrest went one 0 up, they still just weren't able to find to to find those chances and and work those chances. Yeah, I I think you've. Um... I think you've 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 hit on something if I'm brutally honest with you and I I wonder if I wonder if it's a case that they they it, it, the way Carlos Corbran plays every player has a sort of collective responsibility but they all have individual jobs to do as well and I wonder if one or two are sort of so focused on what they've been told they need to do that perhaps they they should just relax a yeah. bit more more than anything just relax and just if you if you see there's an issue somewhere that you can influence, just go and do it, and don't worry that another another thing may not happen. Um, mm. But it's it's. I mean, I did the final whistle show um, with with Michael Heffley on Saturday for the club, and I said I'm struggling to get really worked up about it because I think Town will do this this season on more than one occasion. I think it's. Slightly it's the nature of the league, slightly it's the nature of Huddersfield Town Football Club in the modern era and I think slightly it's just another reminder that Carlos Corbran is a project manager, this is a project team and a project squad and they're not, you know, they're nowhere near the sort of final third of the project at the moment, they're still after the weirdness of last season I wouldn't say they've had to start again but they're sort of nowhere they're not as far down square two if they're not square one yeah yeah they're not because of just the general how bizarre everything was last season and how weird conditions were I think where you whereas normally you would say right okay they've had a full season so they should be here I almost think you can't really do that and yeah it's not like they've gone back to the beginning but it's it's just they've got different personnel who make some of the same mistakes and that's that's where you've got to remember that they need a bit more time and you have to allow them to do this they may they may lose Saturday they may win this is Huddersfield Town this season I think they are going to they, we are going to get four seasons in one day from them, <laughs> you know, every every set of three matches really. So it's not it's not like all doom and gloom, but it's just another game where you realise that the fundamentals aren't quite right yet. That the 
there's sort of there's there's still a few sort of basics that they've really got to master and i i think i think we've really got to talk about the second half in terms of of that second half is we've seen that so many times before in that as soon as town have to break a team down who are a goal or two goals up they just they just struggle they just it just becomes a real real struggle they they've got players who are too risk adverse so they don't they don't play the risky passes they don't make the risky runs they don't try and get into those those pockets of space and it all becomes very very sideways very very frustrating an awful lot of possession without very much happening and that is a sort of systemic problem at the club that it was just another reminder that it's they've still got to work on that they've still and I don't I saw a lot of people say oh well that's where if we'd have got the passer in the summer that's where it would have changed I think it might have changed aspects of it but I don't think that's the cure-all I think it's exactly what you were saying about players have, have got to be a little bit more got to <laughs> got to take it upon themselves a bit more because Carlos Corbran can't come on and play the game himself he can only give them instructions they've got to be the ones who've got to be brave they've got to take the risks they've got to they've got to go for it to be honest with you and they've got to be more mobile you know yeah I thought I thought Dwayne Holmes as much as it I was tempted to give him a seven to be honest which would have been my highest rating for anyone on the day because at, at least he was he was trying to he was trying to do what yeah. we're talking about. He was trying to do I looked at his touch map and he was all over that that front three. He was all over the place because he was constantly moving, trying to do the give and take, trying to get moves going. But when you've got every other player around you is is almost completely static and and town were playing sort of it's it's this weird thing where they were playing really wide using the full width of the pitch, but against a team that were playing very compact and very tight, but they weren't able to actually get anything out of that width because mm. just everyone was was too far apart, everyone was too stationary and it became very easy for for Forrest to defend against him. It did. I th- Forrest's whole game plan revolved around four things, really, involving the four wide players, which was to get tight to Thomas and, and to be frank, clatter him a bit because he, he got a couple of physical challenges and he he didn't he didn't like it, to be honest. Um, but being brave enough to stick someone behind Toffolo, um, stopping Josh Caroma cutting in, and basically they went man-to-man on Sonani so that he couldn't, he couldn't do... You know, when you've got a wild card, all you can really do is just stick somebody on him and try and stop him getting into into space and into areas and they it was it's a very sort of simple game plan which is why it's it's a worry that it's a game plan that still works against Huddersfield Town at this point because Mm -hmm. we've seen I mean we've seen that Steve since teams back in the Premier League were doing the exact same thing with with yeah. certain players and we're still at that point where certain teams approach a game against Huddersfield Town where they think okay let them have the ball and that's that's what Town have got to take it upon themselves to to change and I think one of the ways you do that is you are more incisive I think they they only attempted one actual through ball I think in the game I think though I think there was personally I think there was a couple but that's still nowhere near enough and that's that's not just not having a passer in midfield like you said it's you need people making those runs you need people creating that space you need the sort of speed in your passing and speed in your play and and second half the midfield got trapped in that 
in that sort of 20 yard 20 foot square again sort of taking the ball off the defenders turning round and playing it to somebody who was playing it immediately back so they'd look across and that's that's what town have got to change and again i think it's I think the three-four-three has worked for them this season, but I think you've got to you you've got to you've got to adapt and you've got to change and you've got to. I mean, one of one of the things I would have done if I'm if I'm honest was when they switched to the four-three-three. I I don't think that was working either. I would have I would have had two in the middle. You know, I would maybe not a sort of striker under ten per se, but something like just to try and provide a bit more presence and a few more options, and just more than anything, it, not for them to take the responsibility to score, but just to try and create some space, to try and pull some defenders around because it was just the last twenty five minutes of that game, Forest. It was so easy for them, wasn't it? Yeah, really easy. I, I think I think they've got. They have sorted out a lot of a lot of issues they had last year, um, and we'll we'll have a <laughs> a discussion about this, I suppose, because you and I sort of differ on this slightly. In that, you know, we've seen the XG against us come down massively. Uh, you know, they'd had uh, five games in a row before the Forest game where they'd had an XG of less than one, and they'd never managed more than two in a row last year. Um, that's XG against, and you know that they they'd been winning games. You know, we we can't get away from the fact that this is a, you know the first really bad performance we've seen from them since uh, probably from the Sheffield United game onwards. You know, even against Stoke, they were competitive. I think generally speaking, they're doing a better job of avoiding individual errors at the back. Although obviously the the goal, the second goal Forrest got was Turton giving mm. it away, and then and then I thought he got caught. Uh, ball watching a little bit as he waited to see where the where the save was going to land, rather than getting on his man and making sure the rebound didn't provide too much trouble. That that might be a bit harsh, but certainly gave it away in the build up. Um, but and I think that you know we have seen that they have better players now. We're able to offer a bit more in attack. We've got set pieces. the The record on set pieces has improved enormously. Um, I think some of the fundamentals have been sort of ticked off, but you know, if they and I don't think you know it's football. We're not expecting town to go and win every game. They're going to have off days. They've had plenty of games this season where they've caught an, an opponent on an off day and they've got a win out of it. Um, you know, Preston and Sheffield United. Um, you know, definitely two of them, but also you know Blackpool and I think Reading are just not very good. But um, <laughs> but. If they want to be more serious about, you know, pushing into the top half and making sure they don't end up on a that that sides don't figure them out, they do need to add that that air of unpredictability. They do need to add the ability to find different ways to play and and the thought and the guile and the wit to to try things. You know that they 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 rarely try and beat people in the ball. If you noticed, you know they they rarely try. Yeah. Uh, Torba Thomas is pretty much the only guy who, who actually tries to dribble past people. Or Colwell Colwell as well. Weirdly, um, my I think I've probably said it on here before though, Steve. One of the things is like that first Forest goal, for instance. Teams score goals against Town that I never see Town score. So I've never, yeah, exactly. You know, you you don't see a sort of turnover in midfield, a really quick transition like that, a great cross, and a striker in loads of space in the area nodding it in. And with Town, it's like <laughs> I feel I feel like with Town they have to work so hard 
for every goal they get. They have to really, really work to create the opening. I can only really think of the third goal against Blackpool where, I mean, even that wasn't given to them on a plate, but obviously the possession was turned over in that bottom corner and from there panicking the defence and then you've got Hoggy slapping in a half early from 20 yards as he does week in, week out. Um, But it, it feels like, it still feels to me like there's a lot of games where teams don't have to work as hard as town do that's that's the reality in in attacking areas and i i think to to slightly move on to this discussion as i said I, i'm not it's not doom and gloom i'm not saying you know Corbin should go and it's all bad and this false position and all that i'm not i wrote last week um in an article that lots of people read and i had lots of nice comments on and i still believe it you know you can't be doom and gloom about this because town are doing really well they've had a fine start you shouldn't shouldn't be throwing forward in it and now expecting like one of the automatic promotion places but at the same time just revel in where they are at the moment and enjoy it but what i will say is that i i do think i think it's an issue that there's still me and you if we were managing swansea on saturday perish the thought but we would know how to set up against Huddersfield Town. Mm. And that, for me, is is an issue because it shows that there is still a lack of variety. There's still, there's still a coach who gets very wedded to certain ideas, and when those ideas don't work, there's not really a, a plan B. And again, it's part of the project, and I, I think you have to give everybody some slack. And as I said, it, you know... I can't get myself too worked up about it, but they've got to start moving the needle this season. We've said, and we we both believe with all our hearts, that finishing 15th or 16th would genuinely be absolutely fine and would be progress. And we we do believe that. That's not something we just say on a podcast. We say that off air as well. And it, it sounds unambitious in light of the fact that they've been up in the playoff places they're currently seventh but you know it's context had two... yeah it is yeah. yeah it's it's context and speaking of context i can only apologize if anybody hears a growling noise i have a french bulldog being an idiot at my feet she's going out in a minute if she carries on um but i just think the as i said it's unique by the end of the season another sign of progress will be if some of the needles move on the on the creativity problems you were saying about the defensive errors i'm going to do a piece this week where i'm going to go back and look at all the goals um but you know i i didn't think either goal against stoke was great if i'm honest no. there was the second goal on saturday which i didn't think was great again and came from a turnover of possession again you can't just write the fulham game off as a complete anomaly you know anomaly Billy Sharp's goal for Sheffield United was brilliant. I thought it was a great piece of striking play. That happens, but yeah, there there, there are still there is still a way to go. But as I, I think said, the most that's fine. I think the <laughs> I think the most egregious errors have gone. We've not seen yeah, we've not seen very much of the not, like the second <laughs> Forest goal where it's giving it away around your own box and then they just yes. you know have an easy goal to score. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but I think. <sighs> Again, I feel like this is coming off as like doom and gloom after one defeat. And it's not. I promise you that's not where this is coming from. But we have to be analytical and we have to deal in what we can see. I think you're right, Steve. I, I think that has been cut out. But I think a large part of that is they've just they've got better players. <laughs> yeah. They've got better players so they don't make the same sort of mistakes. And 
even Naby Sarr, when he's played this season, Naby Sarr drove a few people to distraction last season. Me and you thought he did far better than a lot of people gave him credit for. But Naby Sarr, when he's played centrally in that back three, has has produced some of his best football in a town shirt. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just, I'm not sure at the moment what, what is sort of by design and what is by default is all I'm saying. But again, yeah. that's fine. We have a relatively small sample size and no one should be sort of massively panicking at the moment. We're just merely saying, or I'm saying, like you say, you're, you're a bit more positive than me. I'm just saying, I just, I want to start seeing the old inherent problems start to move a little bit. Yeah, I think I think you maybe see it as more of a longer term concern that that you know that they've they've had Corbrand for over a year now and we're still seeing you know that there's still sort of the same fundamental issues are still happening and you've changed the players you've not changed the coach so where are the issues coming from for me it's I think as you say they're sort of on square two of this project and I think mm. almost because they've got so many new players for me it's kind of understandable that at this point they would be able to beat good teams but uh, sorry be able to beat bad teams but might struggle against a team that has a good day or or a top team uh, and that they would have the that they don't they aren't yet at the stage where it's familiarity the, the thing we're talking about about being unable to break down you know a tight defense or whatever and you know players not moving or not picking out you know not picking the right passes I think partly for me is to do with familiarity and the fact that you've got you know Sinani is new to this side you've got Sorba Thomas is basically new to this side in terms of playing regularly you know Lee Nichols is is one I've mentioned there's especially against Sheffield United but in other games as well Sorba Thomas has set off early you were saying they've not scored the kinds of goals that Forrest score yeah. um, because Nichols is always trying to calm things down and, and you know play it out short which is I think an instruction but again it's it's almost a an overcorrection thing on the players thing players part i don't think carlos corbran would mind if lee nichols now and then went oh silver thomas has set off i'm gonna try and play him into space mm. in the in the opposition half but i've seen it a few times i could always keep an eye out now whenever nichols gets the ball thomas always sets off and sometimes it's the right decision to hold on to it because you know you're not going to get anything out of it but there were times especially against Sheffield United as I say where if they'd released it early he would have got in and had the whole half to run yeah. um, and it's you know that's not having a pop at Lee Nichols in particular or uh, well I suppose it is but like you know I don't think it's like totally egregious and he should be dropped next week or anything but you know the things we highlighted with Karoma sort of he 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 <laughs> He was doing. He was playing on the shoulder of the last defender against Blackpool and had to be told, "Come and play in the spaces between the lines." And then against uh, Forest, he was trying to play in those spaces between the lines when he should have been going wide. And it's like mm. you need to get the players to a point where you don't need to tell them this. And I think, as I say, part of it is uh, is is just that you've got new players who are in the side and don't know each other's patterns and and are still sort of working each other out but I do think some of it is just you know the players need to be a bit sharper and take a bit more responsibility for those things yeah uh, as I said I, I don't think either of us are approaching this from a point of view of they're not going to win another game now till Christmas or anything like no. that I, they're going to do this plenty of times but I think all we can do is look at the reasons why they do it and I, I think you're spot on I think the players need to be um, a bit 
a bit more reactive, to be brutally honest with you. And I, I, I think probably Carlos Corbran would tell you that himself. But I yeah. also think Carlos Corbran needs to needs to help them a bit as well. Um, and I've, I've said it. <laughs> I said it, I remember going way, way back to uh, Jan Sievert's days and when Cowley came in, etc. I feel like they could do with a bit of simplification again. Just get get players focused on the sort of their prior the priority area of their role and and it it would go a long way i feel like that second half against blackpool when they moved into a slightly different shape and they told them to hit that space on the right everybody looked a lot more comfortable and the game plan felt an awful lot more simple and focused and it paid off and i just i felt like on in the first half I, I don't think it could have gone much worse, Steve, you know, in terms of I don't think they enacted any sort of tactical plan. I don't think they reacted to anything. I don't think the shape was great. But yeah, you know, it, it will it will happen. It will happen. Nature of this team, nature of the league, nature of this manager. There are gonna be days like these, but there are also gonna be we both suspect a few more days like Blackpool and Reading as well, where they're they're gonna they're going to do what Forrest did to other teams and and catch them cold and and take three points. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a <laughs> it was disappointing from the point of view of I don't know how you felt, but the buzz was back at the stadium on Saturday, yeah. and there was there was noticeably, for instance, where we sit in the press box. Noticeably, there was a lot of people brought their brought their kids in for the game, and there was a, a lot of good feeling. And it's just a shame that they produced that performance, really. But you you just have to. I mean, we said it before, and I wrote it in a piece, and I said it on on extra time as well. What Town have to do is just react. You know, don't follow a defeat with another defeat, like they did nine times last season. And they've got Swansea away, who they have liked playing in the past, and Swansea mm-hmm. certainly aren't pulling up any trees this season. And then they've got Blackburn at home on Tuesday, and Blackburn are a very, very different side away than they are at home. So they've got two reasonable opportunities to put things right straight away. Now go and now go and do it. You know, go and do it. And one of the things that might Michael Heffley said that I thought was very, very interesting actually was that they've got a full week before this Swansea game and in the championship you don't you don't often get full weeks. The the programme is so packed with various things that it's often just this relentless march of games. So having a full week after the defeat, like you were saying, will will probably in this instance it's horrible if you're on a run of games and you've got another week before your next game and you've you've lost three in a row, etc. and the pressure mounts. But in this instance he was fairly certain that they'll be absolutely chewing at the bit on the training ground and desperate to sort of get back at it and and put things right so having that week to work on various things and and to look at that game and to realize where they went wrong in this instance in the context of the start of the season they had is is probably a very good thing actually yeah i I think hopefully getting more players back fit and ready i mean I, i made the case in my predicted lineup for the forest game that i thought corbran despite the fact that had that big win against blackpool i felt he should have made changes for this game mm. even if even if it hurt the performance and as it turns out the team he picked was you know didn't do it anyway but even if it had on paper might have hurt the performance i think this game was was kind of the proof of why i i was advocating for that to be honest mm. and i talked about it a bit on last week's podcast as well but you want your 
your squad players to be ready to come in and be ready to play against, you know, to tailor your game plan more to, to different opponents. We know that Carlos likes to do that. Um, if he can, he, he is by nature a bit of a tinkerer. And I think the fact that they've been a combination of Sorba Thomas being so good and Pippa being injured has meant that he's stuck with that. And, the, you know, the team as a whole being so good, to be fair, has meant that he's stuck with that 3-4-3 almost because it's like, well, why change it? But I think that in Corbrand's sort of more natural way of doing things, he would like to tailor things to opponents a bit more. And I think the maybe the problem they've got now is that because they've stuck with that system and stuck with that that 11 uh, for a few games now or or the majority of a few games majority of a few games that's not a phrase but you know what I mean um, that it's now harder to bring in a Rolando Aarons mm. a Josh Ruffles uh, an Alex Vallejo um, you know and and even you know uh, Turton Ollie Turton um, they are not going to be as sharp um as as they might have been if they'd been sort of if they'd had a bit more rotation over the past couple of weeks i don't think it's a major difference but i think having those players fully fit and and ready to go um you know we saw it a bit early this season where he was able to drop saran high without really feeling it i think they need to get some more of those squad players involved over the next few weeks even if it does mean that in the short term results might suffer a bit I think that's going to stand them in good stead in the longer term yeah the the name I keep going back to is Aaron Rowe I think mm. having Aaron Rowe fit and ready and on the bench um doing what he does which is he can come on either side he can play as a wing back he can play as traditionally either side of a front three as well he's better on the right we know but we, he can do a job on the left I just think he is he could have gone he on at right back in that game. Yeah, he's he's I just think he's a perfect bench option at the moment that they don't have. So the sooner he gets back, I think there's been a bit of a delay um for whatever reason because they were hoping to have him they were hoping to have him training with the first team during the international break and I th- I think he's a, a little bit further back than they thought at the moment. It's it's one of those injuries where like every week it's oh it'll be another week which is which is yeah. quite frustrating I'm sure well, for I, everyone. I don't think they've ever defined exactly what it is that's wrong to us they've just they've just sort of said you know it's pain basically um which is fine it it happens you know it happens but i just i look at their bench and one of the things i think this season is that they've got a uh, like their bench is light years away from where it has been even over the last two years really but aaron rowe would just be such a good option (laughs) at the moment to come in i was I was really surprised he picked two strikers for the bench against Forest. Yeah, I was as well. Rather than a winger. Yeah, I was as well because I think you have to adjust slightly now because I think that like Sonani and Thomas aren't a secret to any analyst in the country. You know, Sorba Thomas is just one championship player of the month. So you you have to sort of accept that he's got to... He's already at a point where he's now got to adjust and change his game a little bit because he's going to find himself up against two most weeks now instead of one or he's going to be marked very very closely and Sonani is is no secret either so yeah I I was a little bit surprised about that as well to be honest and I think we should probably everybody's talking about Danny Ward Steve I think you should probably (laughs) you wrote an excellent piece on it today which I uh, couldn't agree with more and I think you should give a brief synopsis on of it here yeah I mean it's almost the same conversation we had about Fraser Campbell a couple of years ago which is I could accept. I, I think I un, I accept that that Danny Ward has not been good, and 
you know, he's. I think his return has been a disappointment. I think that Town's striker options do look quite underwhelming when you look at the rest of the division. But I also think that this is not a system that is particularly built around a striker getting you 25 goals a season. Um, you know, the top scorer the last two years has been Josh Caroma and, and Carlin Grant, both of whom have, have played off the left. And they've both scored at good rates that if it had been a centre-forward scoring that number of goals, you'd be over the moon with it. Um, but I, I've just noticed that that consistently Danny Ward is getting much worse player ratings from the fans than, than I think he really deserves. He got a 2.8 on Saturday, which made him the worst player and for me it was never a 2.8 and he was never their worst player for me I thought I I think it was really strange that they had a game where they had defensive errors they had a midfield that never got going they had uh, players on the flanks that you know weren't getting any joy and weren't creating anything and yet it's the everyone blame the striker (laughs) yeah like Danny Ward is the last person I would point a finger at for for that game and I'm not saying he was good you know by, by any stretch of the imagination and you know I know it's not all about goals as you said last week you worry about sounding patronizing because I know that people understand it's not all about goals and you know his his build-up play wasn't brilliant but you know I get messages after every defeat and funnily enough it never happens after a win where people say oh it's because we don't have a good enough striker and I, I just don't believe that's really true I mean they've had between Danny Ward Jordan Rhodes Fraser Campbell and and me Porter Baker they've had 15 shots this season which is less for the four players combined than Josh Caroma's had on his own you know mm-hmm. they are always looking for Caroma to take shots and I think that is that's an issue I mean we said this last year as well um, and then he started scoring loads but um, you know they are too reliant on Caroma for shots uh, another thing I noticed actually I've just written a piece about this uh, at lunchtime today um, is they've stopped getting to the byline and doing cutbacks across the box yeah. have you noticed that? Like yeah they... very very much so very much so and I think that I think it's perhaps a reflection on the fact you're playing with a wing back because when you yeah, when you crazy. get to that byline it's often the overlap and they're not overlapping in the same way at the moment like you would in a 4-3-3 because obviously if you have two out and that high up the pitch you are you do leave a huge gap you're asking an awful lot of your back three but yeah that's something I I that's something I meant to mention in a piece this week Steve but we'll mention it here instead yeah they have <laughs> stopped doing that yeah you know they had quite a few goals like that from Toffolo last year in particular and Pip would do it as well although he obviously got fewer assists where they would get to the byline and and I think you're right I think the 3-4-3 sort of prohibits it a bit because you can't um, you've, you're obviously losing a midfielder and last season O'Brien would go out a lot to help on that left flank where now he has to stay a bit more central um, but yeah th- I feel like that is something again it's something the players need to sort of take on themselves to to think about and and try and say oh should we go go and try this now um, yeah, I agree and uh, I mean you mentioned Aaron Rowe I think Rolando Aarons could help with that um, you know he, he did it against Luton he did it against Bristol City last year as well um, but I mean he's I don't know he seems to have he's been seemingly fit from what Colbrunner said fit and available for selection for a while now and he's been playing B team games he's been sort of the 19th man a number of times but we've not seen him yet um, so you wonder if he, he might have sort of fallen down the pecking order a bit there but I think think yeah um but where was I going with that yeah sorry what were we talking about (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we were talking about this, the the Danny Ward basically. Yeah. And the whole the whole you can't blame <laughs> the striker right. for losing that well, game two 0 Between between Ward and Campbell, their XG this season is like one and a half, and they've scored one. So it's not you know again it's the same conversation we had two years ago about Campbell. But if he if Danny Ward had had an XG of of eight and had scored three uh, because he was a Brighton and Hove Albion centre forward, then um, then I think you could have this discussion and you could point the fingers. But I think when you, you're not creating chances, your strikers and yeah, obviously the striker's movement and his build up play does play a part in that. But um, I think it's a bit harsh to blame the strikers for 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 that. You know, they've, they've shown this season that they can score without the striker being the one that's putting them in. Mm. Well, he's had he's had nearly thirty starts now, and I'm just going to get my calculator out. I've just worked out that two goals and one assist isn't very much, but that's not the only thing he contributes. And I wrote in a piece last week talking about um, Josh Caroma more than anything else that. Danny Ward is in that horrible pressured situation where he's got to make a hell of a lot more. <laughs> he's got to let, like every time he gets the ball or every chance he gets, he's got to do something with it because he might not see it again for another five, six, seven minutes. And it's, it's a tough position and he's not playing well. You know, his, his control isn't quite where it needs to be. I don't think his link-up play is great. His finishing is clearly nowhere near. But he, like <laughs> the way to cure that, in a traditional sense, is to give him lots of the ball and try and keep creating lots of opportunities for him. Town don't do that. They, they as you've eloquently pointed out, they, they don't, that's not the way their centre-forward plays. And they have these different striker options to do different jobs. And I can see why Corbin is picking Ward. And he's picking Ward because he believes he's he's the sort of one who's unselfish enough to leave it to the wide players to do what they need to do and can drop a little bit deeper and try and link up and let people run past him. Whereas Campbell is your pressing forward and presses high and never stops running. Rhodes is just a finisher. You know, he's not going to... he's. <laughs> He is a selfish striker, so he's not going to do what Ward does and sort of give himself over to the creativity of the wide players. I do think it's maybe time to try Odebeku. You know, I I think it's time to give him a start because I, I just... Danny Ward isn't playing very well. I don't think he's playing as badly as some would have you believe, but I think the pressure is starting to tell. You You can see every bad touch now. He's he's looking to the heavens and he's getting frustrated. And that's when I think you've got to just pull him out the firing line for 90 minutes, if I'm honest. Even if it is literally just one game and you have complete faith in him, I think that's where you just give him the... You just give him the breathing space. But we'll see. He's He's... I mean, has he start? He started all but one game this season, I think. Has he? That sounds right. Yeah, maybe one or two. He missed a Stoke game, didn't he? Yeah, Campbell started that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's clearly, you know, Corbin clearly sees him as sort of a fairly vital cog in the machine. So I, it's not like I think he's <laughs> he's going to bin him off and he's going to be playing B team football or anything like that. And I don't think he should either. But yeah, I do wonder if it's time just to give him ninety minutes out of the 
out of the firing line if I'm honest particularly yeah. at home I, he's he's feeling it at home I think um, yeah, and I understandably so. so yeah I mean what have you made of Meepo I'm interested in your view on him because I <laughs> not to sort of discredit myself or anything but often in the last sort of 15 minutes of games I've got my head down finishing off the ratings and starting my match report and so on so I haven't actually watched had the opportunity to watch him closely because he's come on late on in games What what have you made of him? Um, typical young promising striker in that he never stands still, touch is good um, he's he's forever looking for the next pass, looking for the next move, trying to look for a bit of space but again it's he's coming, he's forever coming into different game situations so if you, the Stoke game you come on and it's a very tactical battle and it's quite a difficult game to come into and just be able to affect the Blackpool game is the opposite it's where you're 3-0 up and everybody is coasting and it's as a striker you're (laughs) you're coming on desperate to score and run the channels and do what you can while everybody else is just wants to see the game out because the job is done then on Saturday I thought again it was quite a thankless task really because of the way (laughs) the way Forrest dropped back he's so dependent on any sort of service he might receive it's just it's very difficult to judge at the moment which is why I think it's maybe time to have a look from the start and if if you don't think he's fit enough to play for for 90 minutes well you give him an hour you know you've got Campbell on the bench you've got Ward on the bench you've got options this season I just think that he he's so comfortable on either foot I think that ability to drift may well help Josh Caroma quite a bit and I, I wrote that in the, the same article I was talking about before because like I I finished the article off by saying I don't really believe in having a whole tactical system that's built to get the best from one player but Caroma's attacking output is like like you just said on shots and a couple of other things he's just so far past anyone else you know he's 11 clear in shots alone is Matty Pearson still second as well yeah yeah like sometimes you have to think okay well (laughs) we need to supplement what we've got a little bit more but we also really need to make the absolute most of (laughs) of Josh Caroma here so I I think I think I would I would maybe now have a look um, and let's we can all form a proper opinion because it's that classic thing of everybody loves a club signing a striker when he hasn't played and you've only seen flashes of it everybody Joe Coles him and says you know if he was playing we'd have won this 8-2 um, I think we need to see it now I think we need to, to have a look and then we can make a proper proper judgment I do rate him though I do rate him I do think he's he's I do think he's a good player and I do think that there's a world where that Karoma him in central, Sonani that side, or Thomas that side. That is that is a very, very decent front three. You know, there's a lot of teams in, in this league don't have anything like, but, you know, it comes back to the same thing. They they would still need service from behind them. Yeah, I think I think ideally you want a four three three. Like I just can't mm. as much as they've been good in the three four three, I just can't help but think when you see the problems they had against Forest that a four three three might I, I think might we can also say better. 
I think we can also say at this point that a two just doesn't get anything from Karoma. Nothing like no. a, it, what he gets in a three comparatively. Well, as as we were talking there, I was actually thinking: is it is like I think three five two leaves him isolated, but could you try a three four one one? But then you, there's no place for Karoma in that side, unfortunately. No. Um, so I, I like to throw forward to the Swansea game. Then we will do our predicted lineups piece as we did last week. Um, our fight to the death. But, like, would you go to to a four three three in that game? I think I would, if I'm honest. How do how does Swansea set up? Because I think that's sort of going to be the main the main factor, really. Because I think if they if they only play a one up top or you know or a front three, then I think yeah, I think you, you take the opportunity to try the the four three three. Maybe try some some different personnel, as I say. Um, I, I mean, it looks like they themselves play sort of a, a three four three or a three four two one, um, which suggests to me you maybe don't you know having just struggled against a team playing that sort of shape and also lost to Stoke, you know. Know, as much as they played well they did still lose that game maybe you do need to change it up rather than sort of banging red against the brick wall by matching them up again and hoping yeah. for a different result they they play us like uh they're quite fluid really it's more of like a sort of three four two one yeah. type affair really so i i, I don't know i but I, I just think more than anything i think for the team's benefit, I would change something now because the three at the back has done really, really well. But if you keep doing the same thing relentlessly and you get a couple of, you know, you have a couple of games where it doesn't get results, you quickly get to the point we got to last season where we were both sat here going, they've got to change something here, they've got to change something. And the thing is, we, me and you have waxed lyrical since the start of the season, as have people within the club, about the options now and how things are different and how they have got the ability to change it. So time to change it, really, as far as I'm concerned. And... I think yeah, I I would go back to the four three three, and I think like you you think Alex Vallejo would have made a a difference on Saturday, don't you? Yeah, I haven't brought that up because I think it's a bit it was quite a hindsighty thing to say, mm. but I think there are to be honest, I think there are certain games where you might need to consider whether you you leave Jonathan Hogg out. To be honest, um, particularly if you, if you need to have a, a bit more control of the game rather than you know if you want control over fight, because I think Vallejo is not great defensively, but he offers a lot more on the ball. I think the other, the main issue with the four-three-three is, to be honest, I, I, I don't think Turton has done very well in, since he's come in. Um, you know, I don't think he's been absolutely woeful. Although obviously, you know, he made that mistake against against Forest, and it's not the first mistake he's made. But you know, he's not he's not at a Flo Hadjani level. But I think if you put him into the side, <laughs> so so few are Steve, so few are. Yeah. I think it does introduce an obvious weak link, um, and you you maybe need to, and you're also losing, as as Carlos has said, you're losing a, a threat from a set piece as well, um, in exchange for, for having more from open play. So I think it is, I think it's not quite as straightforward as saying just change it. Um, I think there are considerations, um, but again, this is all the more reason why you want more options, more players who are coming in and out of the side who are playing semi regularly. Um, mm. just so they're ready if you, if you need them for certain games I, I feel like for me I, I agree with you on Vallejo and I, I wrote before the season started that Town could utilise him far better um, because I still I still maintain I think he's the most talented footballer at the club I just don't think he's the best athlete by <laughs> by any stretch you know he's he's the injuries have taken their toll a bit and he does get turned quite easily but I <sighs> Like I look at that game Saturday and I look at a couple of others and I just 
I think they could do with Scott High's energy in there again, if I'm honest. Yeah. I think he yeah. started the season really, really well. He's been out of the side almost by default because they switched into the 3-4-3 and played so well that they couldn't then get him back in there. But I just, I feel like those opening weeks of the season when he was like the really, him and Thomas were the really bright sparks. One of the big things that Scott High does is he just, he creates space because he's willing to yeah. run into areas. He was, we both pointed out in those first couple of games where he kept popping up in the same areas you would expect to tend to play really. And at yeah. the moment, that's like a big area that is really easy to defend against when you play against Huddersfield Town because nobody does that job and drops into that area. There's no Pippa doing it from the right as he was last season. So I just think Saturday I I would be sorely tempted to stick Pearson in at right back um, and have Scott High back in midfield with with Hogg and O'Brien um, and then you've got Holmes and Vallejo on the bench who can come in and offer different options in midfield too um, and I would have a, a Karoma Thomas and Odebeku front three really and I think if you look at that that gives you Vallejo, Holmes Sinani on the bench potentially, mm. I mean as you said the, Ro- the Rolando Aarons thing is quite interesting, I think he has slipped down the pecking order at this point but Fraser Campbell too it, it gives you a lot of options off the bench, a lot of ways to change yet um, but we'll we'll see we'll see because as I said I feel like we've been a bit doom and gloom after one defeat we're not it's just it's it's, it's just pointed out areas to... to talk about hasn't it that we've yeah. not been able to talk about because they've been playing <laughs> no. well and it's not it's not good when the defeat comes in a way that we've seen so many times before yeah. last season yeah. and let's be honest the season before under a completely different manager as well yeah yeah I always think of those games as being like um, the Cowleys after lockdown games, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you're looting and you, etc. Great stuff, right, David? You're at David Hartrick on Twitter. I'm at Stephen Chicken on Twitter. We're Examiner HTAFC on Twitter. Everything's on Twitter. Um, no, and uh, obviously you can sign up to the newsletter as well. Uh, Dave, how's uh, how's Silver Linings going? The book about Bobby Robson's England. Uh, it's going really, really well. Really, really well. Um, it, lots of people bought it, and lots of people have said nice things. So, and I have been. I've had a couple of messages about whether I will do some signed copies for Christmas. If that is something anybody would be interested in, I mean, I can't, like. I can't genuinely believe people would actually be interested in that, if I'm brutally honest with you. But if that is something people would be interested with, could they just message me and I, I can try and sort something out for them. There you go. Great stuff. We will see you next time. Thanks for joining us, Dave. And thanks for joining us, listeners. Goodbye. See you there.